Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Jazz Goldman is currently living in Mexico during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. They are saving rent money, getting more sun to help with mental health, and staying further away from folks than they could do if they were still in New York. So basically, it's having a physical, mental, and financial health benefit for them. Of course, depression is still hard to kick for most of us during this pandemic. So essentially what I'm saying is it's always hard to be a refugee, even if you're living more like an expat would. Content warning, we talk a fair amount, obviously, about the pandemic and about pandemic benefits. What's your workshop on? It's like a dance workshop is the way that we'll explore the connection between movement and sexuality well how does that work (laughs) let's let's dance through some songs in our chairs um i specifically want this one to be a seated i mean like people can get up and i might stand up some because my feet are doing a lot better than they have been past four months like these last three three and a half weeks Mm -hmm. it's just been a whole lot of improvement and reduced pain to the point where like if i'm just in the house all day there'll be like hours and hours where i don't even think about my feet hurting Mm -hmm. which is amazing that's great where's my water bottle but when when i first came up with this i was like I can't fucking stand. So I was like, I'm going to teach a workshop seated. Damn. Left my fucking water bottle downstairs, didn't I? (laughs) (sighs) Speaking of. Well. So just so so folks listening will know, you're in Mexico right now. I am. I am on a tourist visa and um, really grateful to be in a place where I can go outside and, but stay in my home <laughs> have access to the roof and 
terrace and comparatively sunshine. to New York in December, you mean? Yeah, where they're experiencing a nor'easter right now, and it's like two feet of snow. You'll have to do the uh, metric translation there. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm going to have to start learning that more because it's not, you know, it's metric here as well. <laughs> it's it's metric pretty much everywhere in the world, barring yes. I think there's like. You know, the U.S. on the American imperial system, the U.K. on the British imperial system, where feet and yep. miles are different. Yep. Yep. Which is just such a cluster. Um, and then, yeah, it's pretty much Celsius metric most places. Yes, because, you know, why would you do anything not in the power of 10? Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I'm um, sure there are reasons, but... Uh, um, it's yeah, it yeah. definitely makes a lot of sense to to talk in metric terms. So, I mean, if you want, you can always think of a foot as roughly thirty centimeters. It's it's pretty close. Thirty centimeters to a foot, huh? Pretty okay. close to. It's probably well because it's two point five four centimeters to one inch. So it's roughly 30 centimeters to okay. a foot. So it's I like, was just trying to calculate how tall I am in, in meters. But oh, that's after that's actually feet. That's pretty hard for me as well um, because I am a Canadian and Canadians do height in feet and inches for some inane reason. It's like we're this fusion of metric and then American Imperial in certain weird aspects. Okay. I got most of that, but it, you went robotic slightly for a bit there. Oh, apologies. Yeah, the connection between us isn't great right now, but you mentioned it was going to be fixed, so it'll be better soon. Um, but yeah. yeah, so like if I go and I want to buy some dried mango, it's going to be in grams and kilos. But if yeah. I'm talking about how heavy I am, about half the time, I'll be saying, you know, 165 pounds. And then the other half the time, I'll be saying, what would that be, 75 kilos? Y yes. Mm. So I know my own weight. Just stones. Because <laughs> that shit don't make no sense to me. Uh, the only reference I have is from Red Dwarf where Lister panics when someone has put on two stone and I'm like, I don't know how much that is, but it sounds heavy. <laughs> so you're in Mexico. Um, and you have been waiting out the pandemic down there, a refugee of sorts, almost yeah. a tourist slash refugee from New York. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I am, a refugee the most of is is capitalism um <laughs> because inexplicably it made more sense to leave the country in terms of my finances and right. available affordable housing right so thanks a lot new york and all of america like obviously we most most of us know that new york has some of the most inflated housing costs in the mm -hmm. world but even 
I mean, there's stats everywhere, but all over all over America, you cannot um, afford a one-bedroom apartment on minimum wage. And recently, they uh, Congress is trying to give us six hundred dollars after no money for eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What's that like? Is that like a third of a month's rent or half a month's rent? $600? In New York, Um, yeah. It's a third of a lease's rent in some cheaper places. There's nowhere in New York that you can have uh, a one-bedroom for $600. Yeah, even for $1,200, I imagine that's unlikely. Very unlikely, like super, super unlikely. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, like if you're living somewhere for 600 a month, there are like five other people there as well. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, It's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here uh, here outside of Vancouver, um, just living in Richmond, BC, it's like probably close to like, 1200 bucks for like a one bedroom and den and then people just turn it into a, a pseudo two bedroom and yeah it's like 600 800 usually yeah but it depends because then there's bills on top of that but i mean you're still looking at like 800 bucks a month probably mm-hmm. to live mm-hmm. with a roommate which is like affordable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, but like we shouldn't start space <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's limited space um, but we shouldn't start talking about Canada. I do not want to depress you. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to accidentally depress Americans when you just say normal things in Canadian life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, specifically now, though, right? Because like, if it weren't a pandemic with lots of people going bankrupt or dying, it wouldn't seem like there's that huge of a disparity it would be like oh yeah canada has free health care but you know i'm healthy so like sucks to be sick right now um is sort of the answer i feel like i get from a lot of americans when i talk with them and it's like it's so expensive and they'll be like yeah we have the best health care in the world and i'm like yeah among but like it's it's not like why, why can't few, it be though it's not the best health care in the world for the many Right, exactly. Well, and the funniest thing, too, I saw a meme the other day that, that, you know, was an American saying, you know, like, healthcare is just so complicated, like, it's such a hard problem to solve for everyone. And Mm -hmm. the second panel was someone being like, I know, right? Like, only 32 of the 33 developed nations in the world have got it figured. (laughs) And it's just like such a unfortunate burn. But like, in the event of a pandemic, you start seeing that, you know, running a system at at peak efficiency is not... uh, not always the, in the best interest of everyone's health or financial well-being or future. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm sure that if one wanted to investigate further this whole developed nation and healthcare stuff, like there are probably many undeveloped nations that also have really good healthcare. It's just perhaps it's set up differently or like there are caveats like you know right for example here um i don't i don't want to talk too much about like medical stuff having to do with like folks that i know closely without checking in but Mm -hmm. um from what i 
observed with my own stuff that I've been trying to handle out here, um, it's very inexpensive to go to a doctor. In fact, it does like just a regular, they don't call it an MD here, but the equivalent of that, of a, a primary care physician, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't cost anything to get a consultation. You just go to the pharmacia and, mm-hmm. you know, see the doctor and the it's... way that they make money is through the pharmacy. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So I was going to say it's know. the same here, but our GPs get paid. They just get paid out of public funds and then they have like a collective agreement with Canada about how much that's going to be and they can negotiate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear kitty. Yeah. There's an adorable cat in the background. Who's like, let me out of the room. And I'm like, but cat, your litter box is in here and I'm recording right now. And the cat is like, let me tell your audience the tale of my people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we we have cat neighbors out here too. They don't sound mm-hmm. cute like that though. It's the other kind of yowling that's more like a a whine. Yeah. Yep. Instead of that cute little squeak squeal. Yeah, thing. that might be. Uh, Any- that might literally be called caterwauling. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like that's- when cats. Oh are like super horny and want to bone each other, but they can't find each other. They start just being like, I'm horny. And then all the other cats are like, do I want to respond to that? No. <laughs> yeah. So back to healthcare. And then some way, <laughs> some, somehow we'll segue back to, to sex ed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Seeing a regular doctor is inexpensive. Um, getting screened for things is more expensive for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ability to make the appointments and reach the doctors is not difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if you say like had a medical procedure of some sort, it's, you, there is no, you know, fucking red tape if you have the money or healthcare coverage mm-hmm. then it's handled quickly um, right yeah and it's it's not that different here because if you have exactly. tons and tons of money in Canada you can always just go to the states and pay for treatment if you want it today or you can be triaged and they'll put you in by need um, when is reasonable for you Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that can suck for some people like, if you're waiting for the, certain. All the hoop jumping that Americans are really used to doesn't seem to be the case here for my limited, you know, snapshot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from what you've told me and what I've heard about other, you know, folks in Canada, it's not mm-hmm. that way either. You like, you need multiple appointments, you need multiple screenings, you just get them done. Oh yeah, that's that's super easy. Like I can go see a GP literally like tomorrow. I can go online right now, book an appointment with my GP and go see him tomorrow morning for free. Well, I mean Canada pays for it. Um and then if he prints me out a lab requisition, I can go to a lab tomorrow morning and have my results potentially tomorrow evening. Depending on how fast the lab works and when they submit them. Sometimes mm-hmm. they submit them online within a couple of days. Sometimes, you know, it takes a week or two. It really just depends on the type of test, who's doing it. And 
bureaucracy nonsense of healthcare that's pretty standard, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The really cool so, thing is the BC Center for Disease Control from the province I live in have this really cool program called Get Checked Online for STI testing. And literally, you go online to the site, and the doctor for um, that program has a blanket use of his medical um, license number to requisition tests provided that you fill out a survey. So you fill out a survey, and you just discuss and disclose like the risk factors in your sexual activity. And then you just get the lab rec form that you can print yourself and there's an anonymization that happens. So when you go to the place to do testing, literally there's the space that's like, call me blank, and you can put in whatever name you want, um, which is super friendly and helpful for trans folks. Um, and then they don't even ID you there. You just, you just ID yourself online um, in the process when you're signing up for a Get Checked Online account. And then, yeah, you literally print yourself a lab rec form you go to the lab to do the testing and then you have results in usually like three to five days. It's pretty quick. And they'll test you for whatever their, um, whatever their form determines you're at a reasonable risk for possibly getting. Mm -hmm. It's a really good system. Nice. And, and, and so like, you know, all that is to say that like in 30 to your joke about Americans and it's so complicated you know, right. 32 of the 33 so-called industrialized nations have sorted it out, in addition to many other nations not falling in that, you know, category, but having a higher quality of medical care available or just a less labyrinth, labyrinthine, mm -hmm. um, you know, way of getting well, to it and, and that's the thing it's like people are talking about quality of health care but if you can't access it that doesn't matter Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. yeah and I, I don't even want to say that it's necessarily about countries being developed or industrialized or whatever the metric happens well, you, to be i it's mean just you like, were you know saying what but, the meme said but i that's I true stru yeah struck by the terminology mm -hmm. you know i think that like even beyond that it's shitty in America. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the specific um, reasoning behind it is to sort of point out that America is not sort of number one in the world for things like healthcare, even though by all metrics, it really very well could be. It's the thing that floors, I think, a lot of Canadians and a lot of countries around the world is how inordinately wealthy the United States is, how quickly it can rack up debt doing these amazingly ambitious things. And yet some of the most basic problems that seem to be a major priority for much poorer countries, I mean, Canada's a rich country, but by comparison to the U.S., not that rich. And, you know, mm -hmm. like, we talk about taxation and how Canadian taxation must be so much worse. And it's like, it's actually really comparable to the U.S. taxation. We just prioritize our spending quite differently. Yeah. Yeah. Your military budget is not doing the things that ours is doing i'm guessing guessing yeah i actually know that for sure <laughs> it's it's very much not and there are a lot of reasons <laughs> for that that have kind of that make it very difficult i think for any person coming into office in the united states to change even if they wanted to like the fact is that infrastructure and that industry is already built and there are jobs and there are, you know there's a lot of money in r d and like there are reasons why 
the U.S. has been very long-term committed to essentially what it was already long-term committed to, in my opinion. But I'm not, I'm, I didn't do any training in political science, and I don't really understand the situation super well. I've just looked at numbers a couple of times in budgets being like, I don't understand. Like, how is this possible? Well, it's possible by, like, not maintaining infrastructure all across the country. Yeah. <laughs> like, basic roads and bridges stuff by slashing education budgets and arts budgets over, you know, a long period of time. I mean, people have um, to start seeing taxes as patriotic. Like, people don't want to pay tax, but it's like, do you want education and do you want health care? And if you want those things, it's not like taxes are that much more than you're probably already spending on health care insurance. Yeah, it would essentially be like... It would essentially be like if every person paying for health care insurance paid that money into tax instead and simply got free health care regardless of pre-existing conditions, you would have something much closer to what Canada has. Yeah. It would There's take some government. There's a lot of misinformation in our country. Yeah. In my country. <laughs> um, there's just a lot, <laughs> like a whole lot. Um, so people don't really understand the nuance there. Um, yeah, it's it's so easy it's to be excited. I guess so. Yeah, that's really a depressing thought. I don't know. I'm still super well, excited same, about. It's the same the same design that has Americans thinking that communism is like you know the worst thing that could happen in the world. Right. When really it's a lot more complex than that. And there of course are it, communist you know, examples of success like cough, cough, Cuba. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's less and less communist every day with how things have been going. It's becoming more of a socialism anyways. And I think the reason people feared communism so much was because it was so tightly associated with dictatorial, um, you know, examples like Mao and Stalin. Um, in, in those cases, there were lots of atrocities committed, and it's typically associated with just fascism in general, which is a really... Well, I don't... You, I, I feel like there's a closer examination for, like, atrocities when you think about how many governments the United States has toppled. But, sure, you know, sure. Like, um, the, the, fascist, more... the fascist piece, like, yes, that deserves always <laughs> close scrutinization and uh, no sort of... Uh, uh, what's it called? Quarter? You no, know, when you try to make something look not as bad as it is. Oh, like euphemisms. Like we should look at it as it actually is. Yes, the fascist piece. But the atrocities, that is, I think, just capitalist propaganda. <laughs> the, that, that we point to those places and go, atrocities, and don't point to like, you know, like firebombing the, Japanese civilians or like any of the other large crimes against humanity that have been committed by capitalist powers. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I don't think that uh, communism is, is unique in the atrocities that have been sort of committed in its name. I think that's pretty universal for all humans, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> um, but uh, typically when you look at more socialist powers, like not communism, not you know, raw, un, unlegislated capitalism. I mean, hell, even the U.S. is is highly socialized compared to, you know, raw, unadulterated capitalism, which is quite an ugly thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there's there's child labor laws, for example, that's very anti-capitalist. And yet the U.S. is probably quite entrenched in let's not make children work. Except for all the sweatshops where there's like teenagers and fucking all sorts of shit going down. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the like... industry. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said for like where you draw that line in the sand. But to a large extent, it's arbitrary. And the fact that there are lines at all is like the socializing of capitalism to make it more humane. As a Canadian, of course, my feeling is like, oh, the U.S. just draws that line a little too far close to the like no state oversight when you're talking about things like labor management and like labor laws and that sort of stuff. Because I'm like you know, minimum wage should be higher and there should be more rights for workers and you should have maternity leave and like people should have guaranteed holidays every year. And when you talk about those things, a lot of working class folks in the U.S. go, yeah, yeah, that would be great. And then, you know, someone richer comes on the news and is like, that would ruin everything about America and it would never be the same. And they're like, yeah, that's yeah. We just can't have all those nice things that they have in all those other countries because they would ruin America. Yeah, I just don't even really know what to say about it. Oh, I lost you for a second, so I was waiting to see if the sound would fill back in. Um, oh. Because you know that robot voice, sometimes it's like just enough sound that you can piece it together, and then sometimes crickets. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was mostly just saying that uh, sometimes you get this like situation where working class folks are like, yeah, like maternity leave and like all those other worker benefits, they, they sound pretty good. And then someone richer comes on the news and says, yeah, but we, we can't have those things because it would, it would cause a tax increase and that would ruin business and it would ruin America. And they go, oh yeah, that's right. That's why I can't have all these great things that would improve my quality of life. It would ruin the American dream. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's really funny. a nightmare. It is funny. Um, Goodness gracious. So I am a refugee of capitalism. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I wanted to couch that that statement just because there are people right now who have been evicted. You know, like I didn't have anywhere to live that I could find that I could afford. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, there was a worst case scenario of like the living room in in my mom's apartment uh it's right you know so, so you wouldn't necessarily just, have been homeless it just would have been very close to homeless yeah like you know the 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 millennial next step up <laughs> like like if you're in your parents living room because they don't have another room for you <laughs> like that's that's sort of like one one step away right but um yeah i'm here now and i am really just spending a lot of time trying to create safety in my body and in my heart um yeah it's just been a whole lot of um transition a lot of transition and a lot of displacement um and a lot of uh picking up my life pieces 
because of like needing to extricate myself from toxic uh and you know unsafe environments if you mm-hmm. remember what it was like you know two augusts ago um when i left seattle and a person i had been living with uh, oh yeah had like a racist my fucking and, that yeah. guy just having a fucking racist meltdown oh i mean i was talking about the the before that that's the that's the more recent you know uh, yeah. person losing their shit but when i was still in washington state i had to leave because like right this it was unsafe person was was like you know leaving things in my room when i wasn't there and physically threatened me one day <laughs> it's just like absurd stuff absurd yeah and that that sucks yeah but this but that racist guy yeah oh was, my god like how do you and and the fact that he was with a woman of color as well I don't know how much more we should say about this, but <laughs> yeah, he broke up. But I, you were saying the fact that he was with a, a mixed person who yeah. really ought ought to have known better. Um, but you know, it's it's it, I I I won't go into too much detail on this recording around that, just because I haven't. Sure like sat down and figured out ways to talk it through on my own blog that feel, you know, legally safe. But right. what I can say is that blah, blah, blur's um, behavior was very typical of the type of mixed person that they are um, and their Got proximity it. to whiteness. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time being grateful for you know, my my favorite person that I love to talk about in sexuality, Erica Hart, <laughs> um, because she has done tremendous work calling out people of color that are not black um, and light-skinned people, uh, light-skinned black people of color and light-skinned people of color, you know, all, all of the white adjacent folks. Yeah. Um, and so when I found myself in such an experience with a white adjacent um, mixed person acting that way, Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, yes, I am. I am shocked because the situation is shocking and it always hurts when you're in a bad situation and a person just doesn't show up. Right. But I am also so prepared for this moment because I, have been listening to this discourse and finding it true over and over. And this is the same year that, um, oh gosh, I know her name. So hopefully you can do like show notes magic on this, but there was a woman in New York who had been pretending to be Latinx for, uh, right. Like I do remember that pretending to be like Latinx from the Bronx. Like, and she turned out to be like Uh a white Jewish woman. Think she was Jewish. I know she was white, um, but yeah, she pretended to be. Sorry, though. I wasn't trying to like throw shade at Jews or anything. No, it's okay because um, you know Jewish people 
are also in a category of like white adjacency. They, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they are they're white skinned, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I um, politically will call Jewish people white. My personal opinions and personal experience with certain Jewish folks is more in an ambiguous mm-hmm. place, but mm-hmm. um, but in my personal life, that doesn't hurt people mm-hmm. politically and publicly. Uh, say, saying that does so, like <laughs> right. Even though I guess I'm I am saying it publicly because I I don't believe in binaries and that includes um people because they're not one place or another but the fact that they have white skin in this day and age means that they're white and to, mm-hmm. I, I actually i say this sometimes to jewish people that i that can handle it until and i say until unless y'all are ready to give up your white privilege you're white <laughs> so like in my heart i think there is like some kind of future possibility of Jews um, mm-hmm. rescinding it, their privilege to the point of not really being that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that future would, would involve so many other factors and um, like a dismantling of colorism that mm. doesn't exist right now. Yes. I think it could, I want it to, um, but yeah. Right. It's like yeah. if Cameron Diaz's white skin didn't impart a significant amount of white privilege, then sure, she could be considered a woman of color, I guess. But just because she's, you know, like from Latin America, Did you say doesn't. Cameron Diaz? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just because she's, um, you know, Cuban doesn't make her a POC necessarily. It's It's one of those things where you're dealing with these gray area kind of like situations where you're like, oh, I'm yeah, that person has white skin and a lot of proximity to whiteness and a lot of privilege and also might come from an ethnicity like Judaism where folks are super discriminated against. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of it depends on how you behave in the world. Like, yeah, no no shade to Cameron. I've got no beef with her <laughs> in, 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 like, celebrity world because there are people that I do have beef with, like mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus, you know. But... Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, Cameron is white-skinned, blue-eyed, and, you know, has kept her hair platinum blonde for her entire career, almost. Um, And so, like, yeah, she moves through the world as a white lady, whereas Mm -hmm. someone like Shakira, who has just as light skin, is very much connected to her culture. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, Shakira is not a perfect example either because she fucking did the Super Bowl, but, um, you know, it's, it's not always just skin color that will take you away from your ethnicity, you know, your roots. It's, it's also um, so complicated just in the new world in general. Yeah. But it's been, it's been an interesting time here in Mexico and, you know, I, I'm a black person and whatnot, but like, I'm not Mexican. I am not part of the Latinx diaspora um, mm-hmm. of this place. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I have some connection to Dominican culture because of 
the island that I, you know, my people share <laughs> with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with it, um, and where I grew up in New York. But like, it's been a real interesting learning experience, just a new way of seeing my own Americanism, um, and just so many of the assumptions and things that I take for granted just not being standardized here like mm-hmm. um the the town that i'm in the the city provides water three times a week um huh. it, it it's hard to to fully understand because it's like folks explaining it to me in their second language kind of thing. Right. But, um, so I don't think that like there is no running water on the days when, um, when, when it isn't running, but it's like, sometimes there won't be is, is my understanding. And the home that I'm in, we don't have to worry about that because the, the owner connected it to well, you know right so like even here i'm experiencing a different level of of comfort and privilege from like my neighbors um mm. and it's just it was just kind of luck of the draw you know um we didn't we didn't know to look out for something like that um mm-hmm. yeah like and then like little things that are less like oh that's so different but it is also still so different like you know uh, we have a gas stove, but you have to light it, mm-hmm. you know, which is not a big deal. You just use one of those lighters, but like, it's different. I've never, ever had to think about something like that. You know, like that's burning man shit in my mind, <laughs> lighting, <laughs> literally lighting the stove. Um, that's pretty funny. Have you, have you been to burning man? Oh yes. I used to even identify as a burner. I went three times. Wow. That is a story for another podcast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually totally could be because there is like there are so many interesting sexcapades um that I could try to you know pull together into more of a cohesive narrative, particularly my first year. My first okay. year was just like ah, chef's well, kiss. well jazz goldman from mexico thank you so much for being my guest today i i'm always honored to have a conversation with you victor i don't know we didn't really talk too much about sexuality though like like, should we go into something more or are you feeling like Honestly, I think we should do a different episode if we're going to talk about that stuff. We basically did um, this episode on refugee of capitalism. Yeah, which is great because, you know, um, anti-capitalist, hyper-queer future person over here. Speaking Um, of that, are you interested in knowing what Canadian benefits packages are or would that be upsetting? I, I would like to know. I was just okay. wondering if I should shout out the the person who is putting on the series, which I'm doing my workshop in. Yeah, for sure. You should you I should totally shout out. 
Yeah, okay. absolutely. Because um, she's doing amazing work, and and like, I feel like any second, I and mean, she's already a big fucking deal um, for doing work. I don't mean that like, like, ooh, you know, sort of like uh, hierarchical stuff, big deal. But like, just she's showing up so much for you know black upliftment in in the field and um disability justice and uh fat justice and um you know joy of being a fat person versus everything else the world tells you but anyway uh bianca lariano uh is amazing and put together this series called black sweat through anti up which is like an ongoing education um uh, not a company. This is what happens when you podcast late at night. But anyway, Black Sweat is a series uh, for seasoned and developing um, sexuality professionals. And I this is going to be my second workshop doing that um, series. Okay. And there's so many. Every Sunday at uh, noon Pacific, there's a different person doing a rad ass presentation and you know if you go to anti up um online you can find all the deets cool yeah <laughs> so canadian benefits packages um the first ones that came around were called serb they were the emergency um benefit program and they were two thousand dollars for every four week period um for a year and then after CERB finished the Canadian um, response benefit, the CRB took over and it's the same $2,000 for every four week period for a year. So basically there was up to $48,000 close to up for grabs for individuals if they qualified. And to qualify, you just had to work the previous year and produce $5,000 or more of income. So if you were working the year before coronavirus hit and you were laid off due to coronavirus or you had to stop work because of coronavirus, you qualified. So I was actually, I would have been struggling super hard. I had just gotten my venue technician job and uh, I got laid off as a venue technician and theater, as you know, is pretty destroyed right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get into the union? Did that ever I happen? did. I did eventually get into the union and I actually just paid my union dues again for my first year, even though I'm no longer in that line of work. Cause right now the union is really hurting and they can use the money. Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah so well, I actually was able being born into a country right? with reason. Well, it's just like I had no say in it obviously. So it's just, I just got very, very lucky. But I remember thinking when, when we first met and you were like, yeah, I like grew up in New York. I was like, wow, that is such a fortunate like place to be living. Like you're where all the action is. You're where all the cool kids hang out. Like you're in this awesome metropolis and it's like yours. And it wasn't until we sort of got to know each other better that I started realizing like maybe the grass is just always greener on the other side. Yeah, there's always something, but like, yeah, New York is just a, a playground for rich people. Mm-hmm. 
And Seattle is becoming that way too. For some reason, the housing is a little different. I think just, I don't know. There's more, there's more like flexibility because home owners will like rent out places. Right. But it's all, it's all changing rapidly. So yeah, I was able to, not to change topics, but I do want to circle back. Um, I was able to collect CERB because I was laid off due to coronavirus. And I only collected CERB until I could find another job. And then I am now working a different job from home. So it's like there there are jobs available. Like I'm working from home um, for a tech app in Interior BC that does... Uh, they do health benefits basically and i'm working as a quality analyst for them and to be honest i have never done a qa role before in my life so i just got incredibly lucky in convincing the right people to hire me for this job i think i interviewed really well and i had a reference from a good friend that worked there so i was very lucky yeah i'm happy for you Thank you. You deserve to have some stability. You've had to to take on a lot of emotional loads in the last year. Yeah, my goodness. It has been a really hard year. But uh, this job has offered me that stability. And it's the first time in my life I've just felt incredibly financially privileged. Like being able to have Instacart deliver my groceries. You know, it's just like, it's not, it's like I almost never have to leave my house now. But then there's also the issue of just like being at home literally all the time. Yeah. Can't wait well, until there's a vaccine. Just can't we'll wait. We'll see what I can do about that. I'm just like trying to come up with the willpower to finish an idea for like supporting this exact dilemma. And it's like, it's something that was somewhat inspired by COVID, but it's more just that we are all increasingly living incredibly sedentary lives. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of people I know who like the the disconnect between what their head and their heart wants and what they actually can like muster Dude. up. Yeah. The, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I will try to finish that stuff so I can beta test it with you for free and then charge other people money. Ooh, I get, I get preferential treatment. I like everything to do with this. (laughs) Yeah, but you should already know that you get preferential treatment anyway. Well, I'm very, I'm quite chuffed to hear that. I'm pleased to hear you use the word chuffed. So, just both happy <laughs> I thought over you would here. enjoy that. <laughs> I literally you got like me thinking about velvet gold mine. That was like the first time I heard that phrase. I think when I was a teenager and obsessed with Jonathan Rhys Meyers and Ewan McGregor and Tony Collette all at the same time. That's a lot of obsession. Well, they were all super hot in the same movie that was like basically <laughs> a 
uh, unofficial documentary of David Bowie's life. So it was kind of everything I needed. <laughs> that is legit. Yes. Maybe that well, could be the, the next thing we talk about is a velvet gold mine and then my exploits at Burning Man. Cause we can they were absolutely only talk like about four years apart. <laughs> absolutely. We can definitely talk about that next session, but for now we should wrap this up and uh, okay. thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. See you next time folks. So how was it intimates? Did you love something you heard or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon, where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw. 